Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. There's been another shakeup in the ski world, and just today, Matt Sturbins, the founder of Forefront Skis, and Jason Leventhal, the founder of Line Skis, Full Tilt Boots, and his new company, J Skis, have announced that Leventhal is acquiring Forefront and that the transaction should close early next month. Sturbins and Leventhal were both early and significant players in the indie ski scene, and Forefront has built up a very loyal and passionate fan base. So what does this acquisition mean for Forefront? What changes and what stays the same? To answer these and other questions, I spoke with Leventhal and Sturbins to talk about the deal, what brought it about, what we can expect going forward, and the state of the ski industry in general. This episode of the Blister Podcast is presented by Highbrew Coffee. On our last podcast, we told you that Highbrew has switched up their ready-to-drink cold brew coffee recipe, trading out stevia for natural cane sugar. And everyone I know who's tried the new Highbrew has fully approved. But there's another cool thing about Highbrew that's also worth knowing. Highbrew has partnered with the De Los Andes Cooperative of Colombia, which will allow Highbrew to give back to and make a measurable difference in the coffee growers' community where the coffee beans originate, improving the quality of life for the growers. And in addition to that, new infrastructure will be created in the community, like a new wet mill, which will increase environmental sustainability, decreasing the consumption of water used, with the ultimate goal of saving 20 million liters of water from contamination. David Smith, the founder of Highbrew, had this to say about it, and I think it's worth repeating. Quote, Giving back to those involved on the ground with coffee growing has been a passion of mine since I started Highbrew. And, knowing that we are not only providing the highest quality coffee to our consumers, but also improving the quality of life for thousands of farmers, speaks to our core value to provide a higher standard in coffee, end quote. Bottom line here, Highbrew isn't just a company that makes great tasting cold brew coffee, it's a company that's trying to do things the right way. So picking some up will make you feel good in multiple ways. Go to highbrewcoffee.com to check out all their flavors and use their store locator to see where you can grab some. And now, let's get to my conversation with Jason Leventhal, and Matt Sturbins. Why don't we just start real simply, and um, I'll ask you guys the question, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> I love the theatrics here. Yeah, well, <laughs> you... we, had a, we had a record winter, if you weren't paying attention, and it's already <laughs> the end of June, and we're still just like super high from the winter, so we're like, what can we do to shake up skiing, because we really already direly miss it because it was such a great winter last yeah. year so thought, hey what the heck let's join forces and 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 really uh you know kick the ball down the hill it's gonna be good okay jason how would you describe what just happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um i mean you know me i mean i'm just i'm always in it for the good of skiing and i've been been doing it forever you know for you know, and um, Matt's been doing it for a long time as well. Um, 
and so I'm just a fan of all brands, like anyone that's doing something good for skiing, which is, you know, and everyone that's contributing to the sport in any possible way, you know, you can make product, you can make media content, you can just go skiing, like just the sport needs as much, as many enthusiastic people, brands, products to, to rev people up and, you know, really just get people involved in the sport. And, um, for me, the more brands, the better. I mean, when I started in 95, it was just a bunch of really gigantic corporations, you know, like seven of them, let's say. There's like Atomic, Solomon, Rozzy, K2, Elan, Nordica, those types of brands. There were no startups. There were no like people making skis, like no in their garage. There was no micro brews. There was not, you know, it was a very stagnant, um, very conservative industry. And so, I mean, I'm going back a ways here, but just this is where my thought process comes from. So once I started line back in the day and, and then other brands came along like Armada and Forefront, you know, in, in 2002 it was Forefront and then many more. And it just kind of kept increasing the rate of new brands that, that were building skis just out of pure passion and enthusiasm. And the more people that did it, the more innovation there was and the more, the more people putting money back into the sport, unlike some of the big corporations that are publicly owned, where the money literally gets drained out of the industry, it's the small guys that continually put it back in. So mm -hmm. Forefront being one of them, not only one of them, being one of the first. I mean, it was one of the first three that are still around today. You know, it was Line, Armada, Forefront, and then it just kept going. Um, I just feel there, it, it, that this brand is really important to the sport, and, and its history is really important. and. The vision that it has is is has a, a a place that should be permanent here, and I just want to contribute to that brand to help help make that happen. You know, and I've been friends with Matt for a long time, um, and I talk with all the brands, and you know, it just over just ca super casual conversations on the chairlift, or I'd be in Utah, you know, at a, at a magazine product test, and just stop by his place and. Um, you know, just we just share ideas, and I do this with everyone. I talk with Icelandic and you know, O3P, and you know, moment, and just anyone I can, I try to contribute and share ideas, and they share their ideas with me, and vice versa, and we gain something as like a lot of brands working towards a bigger goal. So then, with Forefront, it just you know, uh, it made sense that I could lend a hand to Matt, and you know, we can learn from each other and and probably take this thing a lot further together than than officially separate separately yep you um, can both gain something you know yeah. without you know beyond being competitors that's like i don't even think of my my, my current j skis brand as a competitor to anyone really yeah i think of it as a compliment to brands so matt that we just got sort of jason's take on this and um i'm i'm curious how you would sort of talk about you know, how this came to be. And, and Jason said at the end, you know, uh, he sees that there's something that we can both gain in this. Um, and I guess I'm curious about that. You know, what is the gain here? Aside that, that you might have to talk to Leventhal more for better or <laughs> no, for ill. Yeah. No, it's always been my pleasure to, to talk with Jason. Uh, he's been a positive source of inspiration, um, from day one, you know, and, uh, my background was, um, you know, in mogul skiing in the Midwest, moved out to Tahoe uh, at right around the time when slope style and big air became a thing. And 
I was just fortunate to kind of catch my stride in those sports and the community um, that was influencing me at the time. A lot of those guys were were Jason's athletes: Dash Long, Skogan Spring, Mike LaRoche. Uh, I, I think Chris Austin, for some period of time, was even floating around there on some of the uh, very first full-length line skis, as I like to call them. <laughs> um, and so, you know, getting to know Jason, it was initially kind of like a wow factor because here were all these peers of mine that were skiing for him. And then just like how real he was with like when Forefront started lending a hand. I remember his engineer coming over and telling me like the edge profile we were using was compromising the tip radiuses of our skis finish and it was just like, wow, like these dudes like really care. And um, Jay had a pretty, pretty tight crew back then. And, and, uh, and so did we. So it was, it was a much like a brotherhood from the very beginning. And as I've progressed through running the business now, coming into our 15th year, um, you know, we're starting to realize that there's a lot of similarities between Jay's latest endeavor with Jay skis and the future um, destination for forefront. You know, it's uh Retail has changed a lot, and we have some some outrageous, um, uh, outrageously supportive retailers of the brand since day one that we continue to work with to this day. Um, but the, the the demands for us to perform at retail have gotten harder and harder. And Jay's always been a you know um, a positive source of insight into what we can do to achieve independence um, in making sure that we are able to sustain year after year operations, even after the last three year drought that we just finally crawled out of. So um, this was a great winter and it, and it created some opportunity for Jay and I to collaborate on a variety of topics that ultimately proved that we had a lot in common with the desires I had to lead forefront into the future were that of the same of Jason's in, intentions of continuing to, for him to contribute to skiing. And also like kind of just prove what he's learned along the way we were talking um a couple weeks back about like how i'm five years behind him you know and they're like i'm telling him like you know my son's six his son's 11 you know like (laughs) all these things like he's like i'm i I wouldn't say i'm necessarily following his footsteps but i'm on the exact same path as he was in building line and, and eventually selling it and creating his own thing and and where he's arrived to now and um it's been really exciting to work with him, and, and I feel really optimistic about the future for Forefront um, with him in command and, and, and us in merging our resources and knowledge and experience. And, you know, I, I feel like I can bring some West Coast flavor to his lifestyle. Um, <laughs> and, and, he, and he can also teach me a bit about, you know, the, the East Coast, um, you know, morality of the industry. You know, there's a lot of uh, really rich enthusiastic skiers in new england and i've always been uh, i've always admired that community and i was just telling jay when i was in burlington not long ago like how i've kind of longed to be associated with someone more officially with true east coast roots because i've always been inspired by it as a midwesterner moving west to like now have the ability to really work with somebody who comes from a different side of the continent Hmm. with a shared passion and has a similar history and profession for me it's just really exciting Hmm. that's awesome well said dude maybe this hasn't been hashed out yet but would there be reason to think that maybe there's some forefront production that will would then happen in in canada 
Um, I think what makes the most sense is just for the uh, when it comes to the factories, just make the make the product wherever it's best suited to yeah. be made based on the the construction and the um, the volume as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like Matt currently builds in the white room, you know, mm-hmm. his R and D facility in Utah. He builds some of the lower volume skis. Yep. You know, and and higher volume he's building in Europe because it just makes sense. And I think we would just as we move forward and and determine, you know, which which skis have what volume, we'll make those calls. Like right now, I mean, all the skis that he's getting made are great. They're top of the line quality, you know, you can't ask for anything better. So it's not there's no problems with a product. It's just maybe there's opportunity, you know, if there's just a need for it. If there, you know, I think the factory I'm using in Canada is good at very low volume, you know, and um, but I'm not really even concerned about it. Like we'll just make it wherever it makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's where part of the opportunity is. Is that you know, independently, we're both building award-winning skis, and you know, we've got some results that are going to come out this fall that I think people will be surprised at how well Forefront tested out. So the real opportunity is in maximizing. Um, you know, the exposure of what we've accomplished to date with our products and then, you know, figuring out a way just to communicate those values to a broader audience. You know, I, I, you know, for so many, for so many years now, basically all 15, we've been our own worst critics, you know, like we'll get tired of a, of a logo before the, before the public even knows that it's our logo, you know, like we've been <laughs> yeah. so quick to move because we've been, we've just been so focused on it and we're, we're constantly judging it you know we've, we've been judging ourselves so vigorously for so many years that you know jay's kind of opened up our perspective like man like what you guys have going on is amazing we just need to we need to tell people about this like what are you guys doing back there oh my gosh like you guys have all this history on the walls all these skis you developed here like you got Thane rich building skis for you right now that dude was breakthrough performer last year like why doesn't anybody know about this i go to your website and there's no information about that he's like I'm like, man, I just think that we're so into it. We put such long hours in that we just think everybody else sees it the way we do. And so it's been cool to kind of realize that there's some, you know, there's some, there's some real treasures in this business that have an opportunity to, you know, inspire others. And so we're looking forward to kind of, I'm looking forward to learn under Jay and how to communicate those values and, and just do a better job of, of showing the world truly who Forefront is. Like when I was looking at Jason's stuff, like he just has like basic things that he has illustrated as it pertains to his brand. And it's like really well communicated. It's like I pride myself on kind of being a student of, of, of branding and messaging and stuff. And, I, and it's just it's obvious that Jason just has a natural knack for it because the way he communicates values within his own business, it's extremely clear. It's, it's very value proposition oriented and it's really inspiring so like i i know i'm going to learn a lot from jay just on that premise alone and you know uh that's part of where i think the real opportunity is and just communicating more about who forefront is and and what it what it means to be an independent ski brand in today's in today's arena you know it's crazy yeah say i mean say more on that what does what does it mean to be an indie ski brand in today's arena well, I, I mean, we're we're creating the trends. We're we're on the ground. We're skiing with the consumers. We're we are backing the sport of skiing the way that it was 
um, originally designed to be supported. Um, there's a lot of other companies now involved in ski manufacturing that have um, dire economic interests. And that has a huge influence on how the sport is perceived by people coming to the sport for the first time, those who are trying to stay, you know, in with the sport in terms of like, you know, trying to stay as a relevant participant, something that snowboarding's challenged by in a bit. But, you know, with free skiing, it's like this whole uh, era of skiing was born out of kind of a counterculture mindset where we're going to abandon what was the course for us to follow from generations before us and, and pave a new path. And, and with that, we need new, we need new brands. New brands will be responsible for designing new products and ultimately a new lifestyle is, is cultivated. And I think for Forefront, that's all we ever wanted was to be able to feel adequate being recognized as a skier year round, irrespective of the season that you were in, you know, like as a kid going to school, I just wanted to wear a skiing t-shirt, but it was so hard to find a company that actually made like cool merch Yeah, as a skier back in the day. You know, it was like, it was like a NASTAR thing, you know, like you got a pin or like you got like some weird right. hope, like mogul, mogul contest t-shirt or something that like had like a granola bar company name on it or something. Like you just wanted to be shown as a skier and witnessing, you know, the free skiing's humble beginnings and like wanting to build a brand that you could align yourself with and, and like once you lose kind of the independent control of that brand, you're now just the byproduct of another, you know, you're just a, you're just a product of a sport, you know, which, which can be dismissed as something you do seasonally and as a hobby. And for us, I mean, I can speak on behalf of Jay. I mean, we, we treat skiing as, as, as a year-round lifestyle, and we, we hope to communicate those values to our audience. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, And the, just, thing, you know. the thing about the independent thing, too, is just the – like I mean, everything Matt says is is dead on, but you got to take the context of those big companies that are also exist in this in this sport and how old they are. You know what I mean? Like, and there's nothing wrong with big companies. Like, we need big ski companies. Like, we need big publicly owned businesses in skiing. You know, because they're the ones that can really uh, get the get the reach the masses. I guess you know what I mean. They can support the masses, reach the masses, get the pricing down. But if that's all you have, it's not good either. If they're all independent, all small, it wouldn't be good either. I mean, like when you say independent, it's not just that. I mean, that's like one term. It's like like you're a microbrew or whatever. But it's just the fact that um, you're only doing this because of your passion, not just to make money for Wall Street investors, you know. And so you've got to make a living. You've got to be profitable. It's got to be a sustainable business financially. But ultimately, you're doing it because you want to give back to the sport. And that's like your number one priority for Matt is like do things for the sport, make better product for the sport, innovate for the sport, support athletes, make movies, support movies. Like, and that's a big difference from when you're just a, num a line item on a big spreadsheet you know, in a public company. Really, the only goal there is to make a penny more every chance you can you know, at any cost. If that means cutting this, cutting that, I mean, that's – and that's fine. That's what those companies exist for. But they're just very different motivations. And you get the industry itself ends up having investments drained out of it. Like every time someone buys a ski from a corporation that's publicly owned, those profits go to people that own shares on Wall Street. They don't go back into 
promotions like real grassroots events and innovating a product that you may only sell 50 of. I mean, Matt's got a ton of models, um, which definitely threw me off, but like there's value in it too, where there's, you know, he's building like 30, you know, of, of this like ski that's over 190 centimeters long. I mean, this, this ski would never survive um, a, a product review for a public-owned ski company. They yeah. just don't sell enough. It would just be crossed off. But for, for Forefront, they have, I mean, what's your longest ski, Matt? That's a 196, the Renegade, yeah. Yeah, what, what width is that? 122. Right, I mean, that, that's just, that ski do, cannot exist, you know, for most of the, of the larger companies. And that's fine, you know, and that's the, so when you say, like, what, what, what's the value of an independently-owned ski company? There it is. It's developing, you know, with intense focus, you know, great product that's probably too small in numbers for the bigger brands to even consider. And so you're bringing something to a sport and adding variety and flavor and, and new you know, features and performance that would otherwise get looked over and crossed off the list because didn't, it didn't make the cut in, in, in profit, essentially. Yeah. So that, that's where I think the big contribution is from the smaller brands and why it's important to support, support them. Yeah. So how, how long ago what what was the date of the first conversation when <laughs> Jason said to Matt or Matt you said to Jason hey what if we what if we teamed up here well the thing is we've been doing that like i do that with everyone all the time in just a super casual way and i i i think it's just <laughs> not typical of most people and so like i've been that way with Matt from day 1 so i think it's probably been ongoing and you know, there was no clear starting point, but I think once I understood better where he was at, yeah. you know, just being around for as long as he was and, um, you can keep going or is there not like an opportunity to kind of rev things up, like put the pedal to the metal and what would it take to do that? You know, once we started talking about, Oh dude, you should do this or consider that, um, it just started making more sense. Like maybe I can help you, man. Like maybe I can do this and do that. And it just kind of organically came. It wasn't like, I would like to enter into an agreement to acquire your corporation of, you know, like it wasn't that way. And it wasn't like, no. Matt being, you know, it wasn't like Matt, like, dude, I got, I, I need your help. We're going to do this or that. I mean, it was just like yeah. a very organic way of that conversation you'd have with any friend of yours, you know, that, mm -hmm. Hey, there's a cool opportunity. And then, it just got more and more serious and you know um it made it made sense for both of us otherwise it would not have happened obviously yeah 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 like you look at the, like the ski season like there's a lot of product managers and sales people marketing people team managers you know with the big brands and i'll see them you know at ski tests you know um i used to i used to go to trade shows and i'd see them there um and they're definitely like industry acquaintances you know um once in a while uh, come across the inbox on something, but most of the time it's just like blanket emails for insurance certificates for demos or whatever. But like for us, we're forefronts focused and where a lot of other younger brands are, are working towards. It's like, we're staying in contact with these brands all year long. I mean, Jason and I were talking with Ben from Icelandic a couple weeks ago. I was on the phone with Luke from moment this morning. Uh, I was over at Volet last week. Um, you know, before the shakeup at Armada, I was up there twice a week, uh, working with Andy and Logan, you know, mm -hmm. for a couple of months, like 
when we come around and see each other during the ski season, it's like, cool, let's party. Like, let's ski. Let's, let's have some fun. Because we're working together all year long, and sometimes in the summer, it's just we're just grinding out, building skis, figuring out strategies, way to build up marketing campaigns where we can all cooperate. And it, and it really is like a pretty clear divide within the ski community as to like how these young brands interact year round versus how the younger brands interact with the bigger brands just seasonally. So there's a lot of like you know there's a lot of dialogue that occurs because we're manufacturing all summer, we're branding all fall. We're testing all winter. We're constantly sharing ideas, going in even on buying bulk materials from Europe because of how expensive it is to fly it over here. I mean, I've been buying bulk materials with other ski companies for the last 10 years, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And um, it's just like, hopefully that puts things in perspective for the audience out there. Like this, the ski industry is like really small for how many people are involved. And yeah, there's enough room for everyone for sure. But like there has to be, a pretty high level of cooperation amongst those who are in it and to like have the opportunity now to work with Jay like it's just a natural evolution of our relationship his strategy our brand where we think the opportunity is to grow it and what resources he has to bring to it it's just like it's just it's just an obvious move for us it's just another chapter in the book of forefront mm-hmm. so what i mean for for some people out there who if they heard this news and if they're like, oh crap, like what's happening? Like I love Forefront or I love, you know, Leventhal and Jay Skis. Like what what would you say for this coming season, maybe for the next season or two, what can you say now with confidence about what people can expect to kind of stay the same and what is going to start looking different in the near term? Uh, could I take it, Matt? <laughs> please do floor, floor right, is yours so, jason <laughs> all right so here's the thing is like i didn't want to be involved with forefront so i could turn it into line skis or rosignal or armada or j skis or anything like the value in a brand is keeping the identity unique okay and that's true in any industry you know like nike is trying to separate itself from adidas and harley from suzuki and so on. So the what needs to happen in the best interest of the industry is for things not to dramatically change in terms of the brand's position. Like Forefront is, I mean, Matt can extrapolate on this, but it's a, it's born in, you know, it's a Utah, it's a West Coast, it's, they know powder skiing. Matt is waking up at five in the morning, picking up his buddies and going hiking a mountain. You know what I mean? He's skinning up, he's skiing down, he's snowmobiling, he's He's getting out after it into the backcountry, and his skis reflect that, and his athletes reflect that. And that's not even terrain that I have access to out here. Not that I don't build skis for it. I do, of course. But that's the the soul of the Forefront brand. Matt's the voice and, and the face of that brand, and he's going to remain that way. And so we don't want to negatively affect that or change that brand's position in the market. If anything, we want to magnify that position. We want to tell more people about it. And that's where I come in. Like Matt was saying is my, my strategies that I've developed over the years in marketing, communication, digitally, and, and so on, we're just going to apply that, to use, use those tools to enhance the reach of the forefront brand to more people. I mean, out here, in the east, I mean, just yesterday, the guys that that work on my website, outside agency, they 
I told them about it. They didn't know who Forefront was. I couldn't believe it. I mean, the kids, you know, he's under 25 years old. Maybe that's part of it. In just recent years, it just hasn't been a presence. But there's a huge opportunity. I mean, people are tree skiing up here and free riding. And I mean, Matt's got the MSP that's going to be, it's, it's, we already know it's ranked one of the top three skis in multiple magazines this year for just an all mountain ski, you know, under 100 waist width, just absolute rip, ripper. Um, no one knows about it out here. Um, and so there's just opportunity to spread the word to more people and maintain that position. We're like, my brand, I'm doing limited editions only. I'm hand signing and numbering them. You know, they're just, they, it's a completely different feeling ski. You know, it's a different experience. That's why Forefront wins awards, Jay Skis wins awards, Armada wins award, you know, and so on and so forth. There's room for multiple brands and we need to make sure we maintain <clears throat> clear uh, division of what Forefront stands for that's different from everyone else. And, and I, and and we're going to do a better job so like you're not even going to have to ask that question in the future. Um, and it's not always easy just to explain, you know, verbally. There's going to be videos, there's going to be imagery. It's the it's 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 everything combined, you know, and it's the and we're looking forward to doing it. So <laughs> Yeah. Matt, what's your <clears throat> favorite line ski or J ski that you've either just seen or, or <laughs> been on over the years? Sure, sure. Well, I, I I haven't really been able to verbalize this uh, this story yet with Jay, but um, a while back at the very beginning of Forefront, uh, I was I was skiing a lot with Skogan Sprang. We were filming with TGR. Um, I was I was skiing for Fisher Skis uh, at the time, and kind of realized I had reached an impasse with them and needed to start at least experimenting with the idea of building my own skis because I just didn't feel like well, I asked Jay, and he's like, we're pretty full in terms of team at the moment. You know, he had basically every A-list athlete in the game at that time on his brand. And a lot of the European brands were still kind of just fumbling around with how to uh, modernize their, their race heritage and and uh, whether or not they would dive into free skiing or not. Most of them just dismissed it as, as uh, you know, just ski boarding. They didn't think there was going to be actual evolution like there was, but... Um, I took one of the prototype skis that I had made with Fisher and uh, Skogan lent me one of his motherships and I actually used that mothership to trace the side cut geometry of the very first prototype I ever nice. made. And, <laughs> That's uh, the way to do it, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I literally like I took a piece of base material, put his ski on edge and took a black pen and just dragged it along the side nice. of the ski. and. Huh. And that was literally the side cut. And then I was like, how wide do I want to make this? And I just kind of cheated it. I cheated it in a little bit. I didn't make it as wide, I think, as the original mothership. But I I just mirrored the side cut geometry on the other side. Yeah. And like, it was, uh, it was a ski that I ended up stickering up um, just because I was kind of in between sponsors. And um, I wanted a ski that was going to be capable of hanging out with Skogan, you know. And at the time, he was just starting to get his hands on one of those first super wide lines that came out with, like, spray-painted white logo. Yeah. Made. I, what are those called, Jay? I mean, it was a mothership. It turned into the mothership. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, yeah. like, we, we made – that was, it was – was that an AK trip or no? No, it's just, like, around Utah. They were, like, oh, okay. all black. We just said line on the, yeah. on the white Yeah, we did. Yeah, they were they were there were some big one big wide yeah, ones like they were, they were the widest ski at the time. But like yeah. we just, 
I, it was a mothership, but then on like steroids, it turned into the Profit 130, that like yeah, super right. wide ski. Because Pollard yeah. wanted something to like ski backwards on, it would float. And so at the time, there was no rocker going yeah. on. So we just went wider and wider and wider. And <laughs> it was ridiculous. And that thing actually was really stiff, but like. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> It worked. <laughs> no, it was cool. So, like, hanging out with Sko, like, we'd go out with TGR and try to shoot, and I was just, like, dogging because I was on, like, the everything ski from from Fisher. They just thought this 80-something wasted ski should be able to do it all, put a big tip on it. And so I stickered it up and was skiing online mothership so um, I could at least nice. hang, you know? And, like, I was hanging, but I wasn't hanging nearly as tough as Sko. Like, he was just, like, acid dropping off of cliffs and uh, – <laughs> And it was, it was like so loud, but he was so strong. He was just stomping everything. And I was just so envious. I started skiing on his backup motherships. And, uh, to be honest, like that was the, that was the first and only pair of line skis I owned. Um, but it was a really like, it was a really pivotal time for me because it was based on that experience that I got the confidence to start forefront. And I was like, if, if I want to be active in this, in this segment of skiing and, and continue to in, in, inspire other skiers to ski like me. I need to be on adequate equipment that can allow me to do this type of stuff. And at the time, really, Line was one of the only brands that was adequately outfitting their athletes for where the sports progression was headed. And so um, it was a huge influencer for me um, in starting Forefront because of those motherships. So thanks, Jay. Thanks, Skogan. <laughs> That's so wow. sick. That's, That's the a coolest story. story ever. <laughs> um, Man, I'm sitting here so tempted to say, like, we, you guys should bring back and do at least, like, a limited release of a mothership. And, and yeah. I would humbly, um, I would humbly, <laughs> if, if it wasn't going to be an identical uh, rendition, I would, I, would, I would offer my two cents happily uh, on this. But, I mean, give, that's a hell of a story. I mean, I don't even want to ask Jason now, like, what his favorite forefront <laughs> ski? There's no way the answer is going to I don't know what I was on, man. I don't remember. what I, I'm try, I try so many skis every chance I get, but I can't barely remember everything. That's part of my problem. Okay. But yeah. the, the, the bringing a ski back, I mean, you got to talk to Lion about that. Man. They, the funny thing is, people, you wouldn't believe how many times they'll say, Oh, dude, I used to love the whatever. That thing was so soft, or it was so like deep side cut, or it was so fat. And I literally have just about one of every ski I've ever made in my basement. And I've looked at those, like the Elizabeth, like yeah. Lion Elizabeth. I mean, it's not that soft. Like at the time, 15 years ago, I mean, the stiffest ski today was considered soft back then. But it really, I mean, I remember McConkie, like, Shane rolled up to us. He's like, what are those? I mean, they were like, the ski was a 170. And he thought they were like little kid skis. I'm like, dude, like, that's what Skogan just won the X Games on. It was a 176. Huh. And, but at the time, people were on 203s. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's all relative. I'd be curious. I should mount up a mothership in its original form. And I, I'll bet you. You should send it to me. No, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares what you think of it anymore. Come on. I just I just want to let it be and it's like it, whatever it's like in your mind, let it live on like that. It was the greatest ski ever. Fine. Don't go back on it and start critiquing it, you know. That's funny. <laughs> Let's talk about um the future. Um if you each had to bet a thousand dollars, would you bet that we'd be seeing more acquisitions? like this one in the ski world, like in the next five years, 
and like specifically of 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 indies kind of teaming up is this a thing now <laughs> I, you know i don't know man like the thing that the the, the trend that i want to make sure doesn't happen is that like in the 70s era of hot dog skiing that like all these young rad brands come up and they go away you know exactly like, yeah. I, that's for me that's the trend i don't want to see happening and you know that's a concern of mine for sure because of how like dramatic the, the 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 market is changing and just the general consumer patterns right now um, are in such influx that it could, there's a lot of young brands that are really rad that are uh, susceptible to caving if the market you know shifts one way or another or if we have another soft year and so I definitely don't want to see um, brands go extinct i mean there's a lot of cool young brands out there and i want to see them all stick around for jay's for, for what jay said you know like they all give back to the sport and that's a huge benefit to skiing as a whole and one thing i've been thinking about lately is just like the significance of forum snowboarding for me mm. coming into skiing like there was no brand in snow sports that was as provocative and inspirational and as admirable as there was for him. And maybe I just didn't see the inner exactly. details. And, and I'm just a skier from the Midwest. So what do I know? But like, man, like their their stuff was amazing. Their team was the best. Their segments were insane. Um, they made good product. It sold. I mean, everything was there. And now what? Like you go to forumsnowboards.com and it's like, this is the future site of forum snowboarding. Oh, dude, that Burton, Burton bought it. Yeah, so that, you that, go to Wikipedia I mean, and it's like, oh, they sold to Burton in 2012 and well, that's the last line entry in Wikipedia. Hmm. And it's like, that is so sad for a generation to have come up with such huge influence of a brand like that. And now snowboarders who are born, the millennials that are born without even knowing of that brand and its influence, it's just crazy to think like there's there's kids out there who's who eat, sleep, and breathe snowboarding, and they really don't even know about the influence that forum had on the sport. And to me, that, that's like a real really? shame, you know, for the, for the sport as a whole. And I don't want to see skiing fall victim to that kind of stuff, you know. So is it young brands have to band together? Maybe, you know, but they, but they all have a, have a role. And if they're contributing authentically, they need to stick around. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, um, the challenge is just because you make a cool brand doesn't mean you know how to operate a financially sustainable business. I mean, I didn't know. You know, my first ten years were were just complete disaster financially. I made it through somehow. You know, and most of these guys are getting a new investor every year and another loan that they're not going to pay back and whatnot. And you have to make a lot of mistakes, like decades worth, to teach yourself that. You know, and that's why I try to you know, share anything I've learned with, with these other guys. I know how hard it is. Like you're doing low volume. It's just, it's, it's almost impossible. Like you're running it on just pure sweat, you know? And so I think like cool brand, cool product, even good product doesn't always equal surviving, you know, the financial challenges of it. And the more you sell, the more money you need. Like, I mean, I always need more money, not because I'm not, going to be able to sustain the business without it but because the more product you want to make the more money you need to make it you know like you what people don't realize is 
the product that you buy in the store or you buy online in the fall had to be made, start getting made six months earlier, you know, so June, July, August, like those months in the summer when no one buys product, you have to spend money for the materials and the labor, and the overhead to build it in advance. So you, whatever you think you're going to sell, you need half of that amount of money just to build it first. Um, and that's probably that's just in any business, a product based business, not, not so much service, like the hardest part. And it, that's where like the growing pains come in. Like, Oh, we're growing, we're growing, but like we don't have the money to actually make what people want. Um, and so usually you got two options. Like either you're going to just keep selling off your, your company ownership and eventually own nothing. Um, if you even can get an investor to do that or loans, or you're going to sell to a big corporation if if you're lucky. And at that point, you know you're not going to make any money doing. It. No one's ever made money selling a ski company. Like it just, you know, it's it's skiing. You know, so like you know when I sold the K2 or Armada sold to Atomic, I mean, that that really at the end of the day, that brand now is just a piece of that bigger brand. And every year that goes by, they get watered down more and more. I mean, I was part of that, you know, with line, it's just inevitable. Um, and so I didn't want to see that happen to Matt eventually, you know, if that was the case, like, I just don't want to see good companies go get into the wrong hands. Um, not that there's anything wrong with like K2 or atomic. I just think these in independent, these brands, need to breathe, you know, they need more space to prosper on their own, you know, separate from a big, the, the confines of a big corporation. So maybe this is, maybe this is one of the answers, you know, consolidate resources, you know, bring, you know, like warehousing, for instance, we can share the warehousing and, and the communication with the warehouse and some of the customer service and the accounting and the finance, you know, there's just a lot of things that can be shared behind the scenes that have no effect on what you experience with the brand um, that will help multiple brands. So maybe this is the beginning of a, of, a, of a third option other than basically selling off your shares or being part of a bigger corporation, public company. Yeah, I think the communication is already there by nature within the spirit of the industry. These young brands are already speaking a lot to one another. And, uh, you know, cooperating on manufacturing and everything else. So, you know, there's not as much like vigorous competition in that in that side of, of the sport. You know, there's a lot more cooperation and collaboration. So, you know, whether it be that they become acquired by one another or they just start to leverage one another's strengths. I think that I think the trend for sure is that they just need to start working together. And and the ski industry is such a unique it's just such a unique model, you know, like every time I've had a onboard an accountant or something, they're just like, what, like, what is this? And I was like, Oh no, yeah, we just like get paid a year later. And, uh, <laughs> and like, they're like, I, I mean, some people like have just have never been able to come around to the unique nature of the ski industry from a practical business point of view. Mm -hmm. And so once you figure out, you're, once you figure out your method and, and it works, like that's that's real value that you can that you can offer to other people, and it's not like it's necessarily a service you can market and sell to a broad audience. Like you just figured out how to make it work, and and that could be all it takes to help save another brand. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of you know collaboration and stuff that's still yet to yet to 
happen in the small side of the industry. Hmm. But it's going to be important that it happens. I should, um, I should let you guys get going here shortly. Um, I'm just trying to think any other, what's the obvious other question or questions I haven't asked? Dude, you hit them all, man. You did a solid job here. Okay. You got a lot out of us. We did, I didn't even know we had in us. Yeah, you, you, you've asked us questions that Jason and I haven't even had a chance to speak to one another about. And um, it's kind of cool to be able to share a story like those motherships with you, Jay, over, over a public forum like this. Because, I, you know, there's just like little things that, that came into my life and these last 15 years are running forefront where it would have been like cool to stop and like to share a story of significance once in a while, but we've always been on the run hmm. and this opportunity has given us a chance to reflect a bit. So it's, it's kind of cool too, you know, it's kind of like a twilight in a, in a sense, you know, like I want to like reach out to Dash and Skogan and be like, what's up guys? Yeah. Coming, coming <laughs> you know, full. just because it's like, these are yeah. names that are coming back to the surface because of this. And it's just cool that, like we're able to to start to start on this new path together and and have all that significant history to carry along with us. Hmm. That really inspires me. Yeah, cool. that's cool. Well, guys, thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for the conversation and and um, and uh, yeah, kind of sussing some of this out further. And um, it's it's going to be interesting to watch this uh, new relationship go forward. Right on. So, yeah, thanks, John. Thanks yeah. for having me on with the the Blister community. You guys are doing a great job here, and uh, I just kind of backseat drive the the auto feed. You know, when it hits the inbox, I just kind of scroll through all the reviews and stuff. And it's cool to have a chance to formally be part of this audience and this community. So I look forward to being part of it in the future. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, I I'm mad. I'm. I'm still late, as every blister reader knows, on um, on my full <laughs> on my full review of the of the Raven, uh, uh-huh. which is currently my favorite touring ski in existence. Uh, wow! So, um, yeah, that's been uh, that's been a fun one, and I promise everybody the full the full review is is underway. But things keep getting in the way, like you know, you guys doing this stuff, and then we have to have this <laughs> podcast, and then who's got the time, you know? So. Yeah, uh, I, well, I'm, all good. I'm we got some time awesome, till man. winter hits. Yeah, we're psyched. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks, guys. Um, uh, okay. Good luck with everything going forward, and um, I'm sure we'll be talking uh, down the line. Uh, Same to you, Blister, man. Okay. Later. Okay. Thanks, guys. Peace. Bye. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Many thanks to Matt Sturbins and Jason Leventhal for the conversation, and of course, to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob. Till next time, check out what we're up to online at blisterreview.com. Leave us some feedback or a five-star rating on iTunes if you are enjoying these podcasts, and we'll talk to you again very soon.